We are already halfway through the year, which means it's time to check in on your goals. Today's episode is a check-in on my own blog growth plan and the biggest lessons that I've learned so far this year. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume, and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Hey, friends, welcome back to this week's episode of the show. I'm really excited for our topic today, and I'm excited to once again pull back the curtain a little bit on my blog and the growth and just kind of the journey that I have been on this past year with growing my food blog. But if you are brand new to the podcast, or maybe you are sitting here trying to figure out how to connect the pieces between the web designer that I just introed in the beginning of this podcast and the fact that I'm talking about my own food blog, let me sort of connect the pieces for you. So like I said in the introduction, my name is Madison Wetherill. I'm the founder and CEO over at Grace and Vine Studios, where we specialize in building custom brands and websites for food bloggers. But I also have my own food blog, and I've been running these two businesses sort of simultaneously since 2015. For a brief period, I took a sort of hiatus away from my food blog as I focused on growing Grace and Vine and also focused on a very busy season with two littles under four and just tried to focus on one business because I was feeling very stretched thin. But back in, let's see, August of 2021, I started to put more effort back into my food blog and I started to slowly work up working on posts again and hiring people to support that team. And so at the beginning of this year, 2023, I published a podcast episode titled My Blog Growth Plan for 2023. And very quickly, this became one of my most popular and most downloaded episodes of the show, which is super cool because I love knowing that you guys enjoy these types of episodes. And if I'm being completely honest, That episode felt a little bit vulnerable to kind of pull back the curtain and share my own food blog journey and not just, you know, kind of sharing the successes of my clients, but also talking about my own food blog, which as you all know, our own food blogs are just so personal to us and, you know, just feel it's just different. So all that to say, that's how those pieces connect. And today we're going to dive in and kind of go over some of the things that I've learned this year, how my blog growth plan is going, and I'm going to share another kind of vulnerable look into, you know, what my food blogging journey is like. I mentioned earlier how we work with clients, but I just want to reiterate once again that if you're ever wanting to find more podcast episodes or you need, you know, links to anything, you can always head over to our site, graceandvinestudios.com. There's a podcast tab there, which will take you right to all of the podcast episodes, We also have blog posts that we publish frequently on topics that don't make sense as an audio version and you kind of need visuals or it just makes more sense as a written blog post. And then you can also click on the services tab to learn the different ways that we work with clients. 
We try to work with different people in different seasons of their business. And so you can take a look at our services page to see which service might be right for you if you're looking for support for your web design or your branding or other little pieces and parts of your food blog this year. So if you haven't listened to that original episode that I mentioned, it is episode 146 of the podcast. If you go to the Grace and Vine website or just type in thevinepodcast.com, it will redirect you to the right page on Grace and Vine. But up at the top of that page is our most popular podcast episodes and my blog growth plan is linked right there for you. And I'll also put it in the show notes for you. It is really helpful probably to go back and listen to that episode first if you want the full context, but throughout this episode, there will be plenty that you will learn even if you haven't listened to that episode. I just know that everyone has loved it, and so I highly recommend it if you haven't listened to it. But kind of just briefly going over what my blog growth plan was for this year, I'm just going to kind of share the different, like I guess, areas that I was focusing on um, just to kind of give you some context of what I was trying to do and how I was trying to grow. The first and most primary area was content. So within that, I had both optimizing old content as well as creating new blog posts for my blog. Now, in I mentioned that I took sort of a hiatus away from my site, and one of the things that suffered the most during that hiatus was not creating new content, but it was also not optimizing any of my old content, including going through and sort of archiving and no indexing quite a bit of lifestyle content from back in the days before I niched down to just being food. So all of that was something that I really wanted to focus on this year. Another thing that I was heavily focused on was hiring new team members and sort of building up my team to really feel like I had the support to be able to increase the amount of content that we were creating because I definitely do not have the capacity personally to write photograph, you know, create the recipes for everything and do all the work that is required for the amount of content that I wanted to create for the site in order to, you know, meet our projected growth percentages, if you will. And then lastly, the other area that we wanted to focus on was the blog promotion area and how we wanted to start to push out content to our audience and a new audience even through just, you know, different blog promotion strategies. So those were kind of my main areas, content creation, building up a team, and then promoting the content to different audiences. So the current state of my blog right now and kind of where I'm at with some of these goals is that we have increased the amount of content that we're creating. We're trying to gradually scale up at the beginning of the year from posting. We consistently posted one time per week last year, We were increasing from that all the way up to now we are doing four blog posts per week. That's a combination of brand new recipes, recipes that are, or blog posts, I should say, that are being updated and then republished to the top, SEO type posts, so things that are not necessarily requiring a new recipe or new photos, and different variations of that. There's quite a few ways that we are kind of utilizing that strategy to be able to maximize how much we're posting without me necessarily needing to create 16 new recipes and photographing 16 recipes per month. As far as hiring and our team goes, at the beginning of the year, it was just me, my blog manager, and then my husband doing some of our backend SEO work. And now we have a second writer who is doing a lot more of the writing for our posts. I also brought a graphic designer in from my Grace and Vine team who's helping me with some 
Pinterest graphics and sharing to Pinterest. And then I also have a recipe developer slash photographer that I'm working with every once in a while for blog posts that I just don't have the capacity or mental energy to be able to develop the recipe for. And again, just helping to get ahead on creating some reshoots for old posts. And then as far as the blog promotion has gone, I will be honest, this is the area that I feel the weakest on in terms of how much I have done on this area in particular. I focused a lot of my energy on the first two sections. So blog promotion is very much still an area that I need to work on creating some systems for and really working through how I want that to look. That particular area I think falls a lot more on my plate right now, which is why it is something that is getting put off. So with that being said, let's dive into kind of my main takeaways and things that I have realized and learned through the first six months of this blog growth plan. I will be just very transparent. This is the very first year I have ever set goals for my food blog in this way. And it could be a combination of that and just the things that we're actually doing. But you're going to hear in just a second that my the growth that I have seen this year alone it completely blows the rest of the growth that I've ever seen for my food blog out of the water. And that is, I think, a testament to, again, the things that we're doing, but also the fact that I set goals and set up systems to help me reach those goals. So the very first thing that I want to kind of dive into is there is this idea in the food blogging industry that I know that you have heard before, and that is that creating more content will lead to more traffic. This is an an idea that I have always really had a lot of resistance to because I, to be honest, I really hate the idea that you need to hustle more in order to see growth for your food blog. And so the idea of creating more content in order to grow has never just, it's always sat in a really, it just felt gross to me to think of that being the only option of how to grow your food blog. And so Even when we decided to increase the amount of posts that we were publishing, I felt kind of icky thinking about that being the solution. But I think what I have learned is that producing more content definitely can lead to more growth and more traffic, but I think it comes down to quality versus quantity. And what was really important to me was that as we were scaling the quantity of posts that we were creating, I didn't want the quality to suffer. And so that was something I had to be really clear about with myself. And I think that, you know, gradually scaling up to that amount helped us to be able to maintain the level of quality blog posts that we were publishing, even while we were increasing the amount of blog posts that we were publishing per month. Now, I did a little bit of a deep dive into my analytics because I was really curious to see, like, are the new posts that we are publishing, are those the ones that are driving traffic? Or even thinking about like how long is it taking for a new blog post to start driving traffic? And interestingly, what I found is that my top posts for this year, and what I mean by top posts are the posts with the highest percentage change year over year, are not posts that have been published like maybe last year at the, you know, like let's say I'm looking at May 2022 versus 2023, the posts that are showing up with the highest percentage growth aren't the posts that were brand new last spring and summer, but they're actually posts that I've had on my site for a really long time that we've done updates to, which might not sound like new information because I know in our space, people talk all the time about updating blog posts and how that can just really just skyrocket the results that you're getting. 
But I think in my head, I was really convinced that some of these new posts that we are publishing and working on were the things that were driving the most traffic. So it was just interesting to see that most of the posts that are in you know, my top 10 year over year or year to date, I should say, are all old posts that we've updated. There are a couple of posts, I think one or two, that were done within the last year that are in that top 10. But again, the majority of them are coming that are driving the most traffic and are seeing the biggest change are posts that are much, much older than just the last year. And a lot of those posts, in fact, only were rewritten with best practices and best, you know, SEO tricks in mind. They don't even have new photos necessarily, which is great in some cases because that means less work for me to do to update the post. But it was just interesting to see that I spend a lot of time and effort on my photography and a lot of the posts that are performing the best and seeing the biggest change in growth aren't even ones with new photography. And then lastly, something that I realized was that a lot of the sort of how-to and SEO type posts that we have done and written lately are performing really, really well, but the keywords themselves are much smaller than some of the recipes. So they aren't driving as much traffic just because the keywords are lower volume. Another huge takeaway that I have gotten from this past year is the importance of systems and how important it is for growth. There are a few systems in particular that have been so important for me this year, both for growth, but also just for the stability of my food blog and the scalability of it. Because something that I don't think a lot of people tend to realize is how much of an impact increasing the amount of content that we are creating can have on your work-life balance and the workload that you're putting on yourself and just your capacity as a human being. And so these systems have really made it a lot easier for me to be able to scale the amount of content that we're creating without kind of going back to the days of being burnt out as a food blogger that I have experienced many, many times in the past. So the first system that has been probably the most important for me, maybe the second most important to the next one, and that is my photography system. This is going to be things like how often I take photos, which types of photos I am batching together, and how often I am not just working on the posts for maybe this upcoming month, but I'm working for posts months in advance so that, yes, I have 16 blog posts that are going to be you know scheduled for July, but a bunch of those I did in January or February or March, and I'm not doing all 16 for the next month all in one sitting. Something else that I have added into sort of my rhythm is trying to do recipe testing and development every single week. So what I'll do for this is I have an Asana task for myself that is set to go basically renew itself every week. And on that, I have a list of the recipes that I'm working on. So when I go and do our weekly meal planning, I will actually look at that list and decide if there's anything that I want to recipe test for dinner, or maybe it's just like a muffin recipe that I'm working on. So that as I am creating food for my family that I'm going to create anyway, I'm also working through my list of recipes that I am working on developing or that I'm working on retesting from old recipes that I have on the site. And then lastly, I have a really clear editing system of how I edit photos and how I export them and get them on WordPress and all of that stuff. And that's something that I think because I'm doing that so much more often, I'm editing photos and, you know, getting them ready to go to the site. That has become just a system that I have in the back of my mind. It's probably something that I need to actually write down an SOP for, 
But in the meantime, it's something that I know pretty well and can do kind of without much thought. Okay, so then the second system that has been super important, I'm just gonna say that these two systems are tied, is my task system for creating our blog posts. So what I mean by a task system is that we have a system internally for our team where every time we have a new blog post or a republished blog post, we have a different set of tasks that is a part of that process. And that means that I don't have to be the one to go to my writer and say, hey, can you write this post for Thursday? We have a system so that she can even look ahead weeks in advance and be able to see what's coming up to manage her own time. And that way we're able to really know where everything is at. This also helps me to stay on top of things because essentially I'm always working on photos that are at least two weeks in advance. And if I get to a place where I'm behind, we can shuffle things around to make sure we stay on top of our schedule, but I am not the bottleneck and holding people up from being able to start doing the writing for the posts. Part of this system is also that we have a task for going in and uploading the recipe, uploading the photos, someone to go in and do alt text on those photos, someone to go in and write the blog post, and then finally someone to review and schedule it. And that might seem like a lot of steps, but I think in the past, before I had this type of system, someone would sit down and have all of those things to do in one setting. And that is not really realistic for getting content created in one sitting with that many different steps. So again, that system of creating tasks and just having a workflow for that has really helped my entire team to stay on top of their work. And it's really helped to reduce the amount of times that I am the bottleneck because I am not assigning people the tasks to do. I think my final takeaway Well, I have a couple more little lessons I'll talk about here in a minute, but my final like big category of a takeaway is that it is really important to hire before you feel like the, you know, the ceiling is on fire and I need someone right now. I think because I have a big team through Grace and Vine, I first of all already had some resources I was able to kind of pull from that business, but I also am just more used to hiring people and getting them established in roles. And so I think that experience in my business helped me to be able to pull together a team for my blog faster. And this also helped to be able to just make sure I had extra people and resources before I was behind. And again, like the ceiling was on fire and everything was a problem. And that has really just had a more peaceful existence for our team to be able to have people that I can pull in as needed. And so I think my recommendation would be, you know, if you are starting to feel the tension of not having enough support, go ahead and start the process for hiring someone and just make sure that you have somebody who can scale and grow a little bit with you and they're not maxed out immediately once you hire them. Which brings me to another point within hiring And that is to max out the capacity of the people you have before you hire additional people who are sort of duplicate roles. So in my case, I had my blog manager who was also doing the majority of the writing for me. And when we started to feel like she was getting maxed out, we started talking about hiring another writer because I didn't want her to get to the place where she was stressed and burnt out and stretched too thin before we hired somebody else. So we shifted some things to be able to allow her to start sort of training this new writer and get her up to speed before we were, you know, behind and needed it urgently. 
I think it's also super important to establish communication expectations from the beginning. Our team actually uses Slack to communicate a lot. Well, I should say me and my blog manager, Susanna, we communicate on Slack a lot. The rest of our team mostly does their work on Asana, but they can use Slack if they have something urgent that they need to get in touch with me or somebody else on the team for. It's just a faster way to communicate because Asana can be a very dark hole for me because I have so many things going on in there. But just setting the expectation of how you're going to communicate You know, setting clear roles for every single person on the team can be just so important to have that expectation as you start to grow a team. A couple of other lessons that I have learned this year. First is just to stay focused on your goals. In the process of setting goals and in the process of growing your blog, you're going to have things that come up that are going to be shiny objects or They aren't even bad things, but they're just things that are not your priority right now. And so keeping your focus on your goals and what you want to achieve with your blog is super, super important because you can't get to a consistent rhythm until you have clarity on those goals and you stay focused on them. The other huge lesson is that it is so important to find the parts of blogging and the parts of your business that you love and to do as much of that as you can and to outsource the rest. For example, writing, even though I love to write creatively, I don't necessarily love to write for SEO and I don't really love to write blog posts. And I found that I was consistently getting behind on that part of the creation, the content creation process. But when it comes to things like photography or recipe development, that's where I really love doing that kind of work. And that's where I really just have the most joy in blogging. And so the more that I can do those things, the better off I'm going to be and the more enjoyment I'm going to get out of my blog. And then finally, this is my last kind of lesson that I will share. And that is that doing more of the right things more often does pay off greatly. I mentioned that I was going to share like the growth that my blog has had, and I realized I did not share that at the beginning of the episode. So if you stuck around this far into the episode, you get to hear those numbers since I forgot to share them at the beginning. Year to date so far in 2023, comparing to last year, my sessions rate is up 64% and my revenue is up 47%. And I've never seen that type of growth for my blog in any of the years that I've been blogging. And I know that some bloggers have way bigger growth than this, and I'm hoping that I get to that point. I would love to have a 400% growth. But for me to see, you know, this level of consistency, this level of attention to my food blog is benefiting. It's definitely benefiting me. It is helping to grow the site and it's growing it at a really stable rate. I mean, I've had Month to date right now, as I'm recording this, I'm over 100% growth, but that's not going to happen every single month. What I have noticed, though, is after increasing the amount of content up to 16 blog posts a month, I am starting to see more like 70 to 90% month to month growth when I compare to last year. I'm probably not saying that correctly, but what I'm trying to say is when I look at a month like April or like May and I compare it to last year, I'm seeing 80 to 90 percent growth, which is really, really cool to see. I don't know if that will continue all the way through the summer and into quarter four, but right now I'm just really pleased with seeing very big growth. And, you know, I know a lot of people in the industry are talking about RPMs being down and so income is down. And so I'm just really pleased with seeing a positive growth that is, you know, in 
50% or more for both revenue and for sessions. So I hope that that will continue on. I hope that this episode is interesting at the very least. The first one was definitely interesting to you guys. And so I felt like it was good for me to take a look at what the last six months have looked like and just share some of the lessons that I've learned. If you have a big takeaway from this episode, I would love to hear it. You can go and connect with me over on Instagram at Grayson Vine. And if you have listened this far into the episode and you haven't yet left a rating and review for the podcast, it would mean so much to me to see a comment from you on the podcast showing me that you appreciate this podcast, that you learn from it. I know you guys share that with me privately often, but it really helps with the podcast, the Apple podcast and Spotify algorithms when we have positive reviews, as you probably know. So if you haven't left a review, I would love to see a review from you the next time I check it. Um, Like I said, I hope this episode was helpful and I hope that you guys will share some feedback with me so that I know whether or not to keep sharing behind the scenes of my blogging growth with you. And in the meantime, I will talk to you next week, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.